And so to be really successful as a company, and this is one of the things that we're really prioritizing going into 2022, is fostering a stronger culture of omnidirectional feedback, where feedback is directly flowing and it can come any place in the organization and in any direction. And by unlocking this culture of omnidirectional feedback, we can all truly do our best work and all commit to helping one another grow because that's you know, the primary purpose of feedback in an organization is to help any one of us like maximize the impact that we can have in the organization. Welcome to Leveling Up, where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. Hey everyone, it's Mary, and today I am excited to share with you my episode with Kristen Dean Hayward, the head of people at Superhuman. Kristen joined Superhuman two years ago, and she's overseeing the company's recruiting people and workplace organizations. In today's episode, Kristen and I discuss the importance of examining the entire life cycle of the employee experience, omnidirectional feedback, and creating safe spaces. I enjoyed today's episode. I really hope you do as well. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm here with Kristen Hayward, head of people at Superhuman. And if you're not familiar with Superhuman, I recommend checking it out. Kristen's going to fill us in on what Superhuman is and what her role is there, as well as a lot of different topics around the future of work and how Superhuman is approaching this. Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited uh, to be here and to have the opportunity to chat with you further about this. Great. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit or share with our guests a little bit more about Superhuman and what the company does. And then uh, we can dive into your background and take it from there. Okay. Yeah. So at Superhuman, uh, we built the fastest email experience ever made on average. Our users save about one and a half hours every single day. And uh, that time is actually personally super important to me because before I actually joined the Superhuman team as a lot of people, I was that user getting back that hour and a half to two hours every day. And uh, next, um, we're building the fastest way for teams to collaborate. Nice. Are we expecting to see that early next year or when is that being launched? Yeah. And so we're starting to build on that in Q1. And so we anticipate launching that in 2023. Wow. Exciting times. Uh, Well, we will share the links to Superhuman. Today, we're getting a little bit more into the behind the scenes. um, And I'd love to, before we jump into that, I'd love to hear a little bit more around your background and how you ended up in human resources and people operations. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for asking. So um, I worked my way through college um, working in retail. um, And most notably, um, I was an assistant store manager um, at Home Depot. And so through my role as an assistant store manager at Home Depot, it was really like a general management role. And in that role, I was responsible for many things, one of which was training and building my team. And so I learned as I was going through schooling um, that I really liked uh, the intersection of where business strategy and people strategy came together. And so uh, I decided when I graduated, I wanted to go into uh, what at the time was called human resources. Um, And my first job out of school was actually uh, a store HR manager at Target. And in uh, doing uh, the entire employee life cycle, I learned I liked the hiring part of it much better than the firing part. Um, Unfortunately, at a large company like Target, um, you usually are letting one to two people go every single time you come in the door. And so I intentionally made the decision to go into recruiting first. And then what I learned is if you did a great job on the recruiting front, 
um, you spend a lot less time in the firing people role. Um, and so uh, as I've grown my career, um, I decided I wanted uh, to oversee the entire employee life cycle. And so I've been operating as a head of people for about the past five years now. Um, and I've been lucky enough to work for some incredible startups like Superhuman most recently, but then also other great companies such as Foxboard and Benefits. And you mentioned that you were a superhuman customer first. Are you able to share that story of how you ended up transitioning from being a customer to head of people? That seems like an exciting way to get you know into a cool company. Yeah, and so it's actually really cool. And so um, I started using Superhuman uh, when I was the head of people uh, for a company called Hustle, um, and none of our HR systems talked to one another. So I would get hundreds of emails a day with things like, you know, a salary approval, for instance. But ideally, a great HRIS uh, would automate all of those processes. This is the most email I'd ever received in my life. I was very overwhelmed with email. One of my coworkers was like, oh, have you tried Superhuman? I was like, what's Superhuman? He's like, oh, it's a tool to help you manage your inbox. You'll get through your inbox twice as fast. And this is one of the things that I became hooked. And so over the first year, I was a power user referring many people that I knew. And one of the founders actually reached out to me and asked if I'd be willing to do interview training. And so it started as a simple interview training. It uh, led to recruiting goal settings. And over the course of about a nine-month period, I kept finding opportunities to work deeper and deeper with this superhuman team. Um, and it's interesting because I fell in love with the product first, but I definitely fell in love with the people second. And so uh, as we were on the cusp of hiring someone uh, for a head of talent role, uh, Rahul was CEO and now my boss, and I realized we really wanted the opportunity uh, to work together. And so uh, we made it work and I joined the company almost two years ago as the head of people and uh, never looked back since. Well, thanks for sharing that. I I think it's such a great story to get into an organization where you love the product, you're championing the product, and now you get to bring in other team members to be a part of that journey, As especially as Superhuman has grown. Um, you know, we're seeing so many people who are starting new companies and referring to them as the Superhuman for X. And that's such a good testament of um, the, built, the brand and, and product that Superhuman has built. I have lots of questions, but I, you know, when we talked before, we talked a little bit around how Superhuman has approached the return to work and how the culture of the organization has really influenced your decisions in this topic. So what's going on, you know, given we're two years past the beginning of the pandemic, you started at Superhuman during that time period. How has your team approached this topic and where are you headed? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that's very core in our people strategy is, uh, we try to avoid that one size fits all wherever possible. You know, people is just about that. It's about people and people have different preferences, different levels of comfort. And one thing that's really important when we make decisions as a people team is that we recognize like there is no cookie cutter one size fits all solution. Like we really truly have to empower people to make the choices that are best for them. And I very much see the people team as an enablement and empowerment function our job is to give people the tools that they need to do their very best work. And so when it came time to design our remote work strategy, we leaned into a model. I really don't like the word remote as much as possible. I try to refer to it as virtual. Something about the word remote feels like you're lonely. And, you know, maybe sometimes you're lonely on an island, which could be a cool thing because um, you're on an island. But for the most part, when I hear the word remote, I think it sounds very much like an IT term. And there's something about it that I find super lonely. 
And so instead, I like to use the term virtual first. And one of the really cool things about the word virtual versus the word remote is, you know, remote is like alone on an island, right? Um, whereas virtual, you can be virtual and in an office with other people. Um, so virtual is more about the connection method um, than where you may be and the distance that may be between you and others. And so I like to refer to our strategy as virtual first. And one of the cool things about virtual first is some people will experience virtual first in a superhuman office um, or in a superhuman policy space. And so uh, we've distributed our team across North America. So you have a sense when COVID started, we were 100% SF, you know, people coming into an office at least four days a week. Um, and now for context, we are 40% uh, outside the Bay Area, 60% inside the Bay Area two years later. Um, but about 85% of the team enjoys the employee experience outside of a superhuman office every day. And so it's been really cool to watch that evolution and to watch us replace, you know, cultures and traditions that we would have that were really rooted on the idea of being together in person and how we've been able to shape those. And, you know, I can give you a couple of very specific examples. One that's really fun is um, we were very big. We love to, like, have inside jokes with one another. Uh, it's sort of like one of our things that we do as a company. So the team obviously loved Secret Santa, right? Because there's like nothing funnier than like getting a coworker and getting to pick a funny gift and, uh, you know, kind of troll them all month long for being honest. And so uh, we decided to take it virtual. And the way that we decided to take it virtual is like, look, let's be honest, no one wants to sit on a Zoom call for two hours and watch people unwrap presents. I don't have time for that. You probably don't have time for that. And so instead what we did is uh, we created an unboxing channel. And uh, when you're a secret snow pal, you can uh, send your gift anytime throughout the month of December. The goal is instead of waiting, you open it in real time and you film yourself unboxing your gift. And it's like the most delightful thing ever because you never know, like anytime in the month of December, someone's going to get a gift and there's going to be a channel, a box uploaded in the channel. And it's just like super fun. And like, it's just a cool way to have fun with one another and get, get, get to be part of one another's lives. Another example is um, we recently did a virtual field day. So we were celebrating a big revenue milestone and we decided to spend the day doing a virtual field day where we played like fun online games. Um, and that was really cool. Fun online games, like what? So just like... Yeah, so code <laughs> names. Uh, we had a Dungeons and Dragons 101, which is really cool. There was trivia, there was bingo, there was the meditation was a big one. Um, there was also one for people that just wanted to do a casual hang and not play a game. And then uh, we did a choose your own adventure where we got people on the team to house. And the even time we have nine different adventures happening. And then you have to pick which adventure you joined. And that in particular was really fun because uh, like we almost evenly distributed across those different activities. And it was like a way to build connections with people you might not normally work with. And so that was super fun. Of course, there was some competition as well. We like competed with one another in this really fun team trivia, um, which is just amazing. But it was just something, you know, you would never do in person. And so, you know, I think a big part of leadership and especially people leadership is, you know, being able to play the hand that you've been dealt and make it the best possible experience because it's easy to like sit in a room and wish, you know, it was an office culture and every single person came into an office together and we'd go get lunch and a happy hour together. And we still have that for people that are interested in that. Um, but a big part of leadership is, look, these are the cards that we've been dealt and how do we make it the best hand we possibly can? It's 
such a great way of looking at that. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that you started your career kind of realizing that the recruitment piece was uh, the most important part of it. And if you could do that correctly, you wouldn't have to be doing as much of the firing piece. Um, but I imagine it also shapes a good portion of the culture that you have within Superhuman. Um, the, the organization has grown quite a bit in the past year and a half. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So for context, uh, when I started, uh, we were 35 and we're now about 106. Right. So gosh, you know, more than three X the, the team size and, um, doing a, a remote field day sounds like something that you can only do with a team of people who work well together and, and, you know, are kind of excited about the same mission. So, um, Thanks for sharing that. I, I jumped the gun a little bit in terms of what your role is day to day. So you're responsible, of course, for those fun pieces, but what, you know, of course there's much, much more to your role. So can you give us a little bit of a walkthrough toward your... Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and so uh, I lead various teams that ultimately contribute to different outcomes to the organization. And so uh, when I look at uh, my staff leadership team um, on the team today, um, I have a go-to-market and G&A recruiting leader named Elizabeth. Um, so she oversees everything that's sort of more on the non-technical side of hiring. Um, and then um, I have a technical uh, recruiting lead named Adrian. Um, he oversees hiring for engineering, analytics, product, and design. Um, and both Elizabeth and Adrian have respective teams under them. And then I have Marie Kretlow. Marie Kretlow leads uh, what we call team operations and experiences. Marie is the closest end-to-end -end owner of our employee experience. And so her team covers what we call community. Community is our workplace, both you know, the physical spaces that we come together, such as our San Francisco office, which I'm joining us today, and then also our virtual community. Um, and how do we really bring people together with purpose and make Superhuman a place where people feel that they belong? Um, she also leads our internal communications efforts and then also, also our people operations. I have an amazing executive ops partner named Avery and her job, she supports myself and our head customer. And really her role is how does she help make us as efficient and as productive as we can possibly be? And then last but not least, I actually have two roles open on my team right now. One is a role that I'm doing for the organization today, which is called people business partnering. And the goal with a people business partner is to really bring together the people strategy and the business strategy and really help merge that intersection of those two things. And so I'm doing this today, but it's things like, um, you know, how do we tie individuals in the organization to company strategy? And how, you know, do we really make sure that we as a people team have a seat at the table in that and that we are really key drivers of the business and the business strategy? A big part that falls under that is also making sure from a performance perspective, every single person in the company is, you know, truly delivering their best work. We're putting the programs and processes in place to help both empower people to deliver their best work, but also to hold people accountable. And then the other role um, it's not actually directly on the employee lifecycle, but it's uh, director of finance. Um, so our finance team will also report it to me. Got it. Great. Well, thank you for walking us through that because I think, you know, it's every organization approaches the role differently. And of course, it depends on the strategy and approach of the company itself. But it also helps us segue into what we came here to talk about today, which is you mentioned when we last talked about the goal of omnidirectional feedback. And I wanted to get into how you're taking superhuman into the future and what your goals are looking like for the next year or two, especially given your product expansion. Yeah. And so omnidirectional feedback is a personal area of interest for me. So for context, you know, one thing I think I really 
like about the people side of things and actually what I studied in school is um, I spent a lot of time studying interpersonal relationship dynamics and organizational behavior, which leads into organizational psychology. The degree that I got lives at the intersection of communication, psychology, and business. So this has been, you know, a passion of me and I've you know, been studying this for about 15 years now. And so one thing that is very, very true as we think of feedback on an organization is a healthy organization is oriented around this idea that's called a growth mindset. Growth mindset is not just how you look at yourself, but how you look at the people around you. And so it's the belief um, that others, including yourself, can learn, grow, and develop and bounce back from mistakes. And there's a lot of research on the ripple effect of one having a growth mindset, which is if you have a growth mindset, you're more likely to abundantly share knowledge and information with the people around you. You're more likely to give others the benefit of the doubt. You're more likely to believe that others can come back from their mistakes. And so it creates this ripple effect in the organization. And one thing that's really important in the growth mindset is this culture of omnidirectional feedback. So a healthy organization, and Kim Scott has written about this extensively in Radical Candor and now Just Work, which I've actually just been process of leaving. But actually before that, uh, Shari Farley wrote this really good book called How to Say Anything to Anyone. And all of these books center around this idea that if you have feedback for someone, like the most important thing that you can do is actually just tell them. And feedback is the highest quality feedback when it's directly from the person that has feedback for you. And so to be really successful as a company, and this is one of the things that we're really prioritizing going into 2022, is fostering a stronger culture of omnidirectional feedback, where feedback is directly flowing and it can come any place in the organization and in any direction. And by unlocking this culture of omnidirectional feedback, we can all truly do our best work and all commit to helping one another grow because that's you know, the primary purpose of feedback in an organization is to help any one of us like maximize the impact that we can have in the organization. And so in the culture of omnidirectional feedback, one thing that's really important to it is it's regardless of level. A really important part of omnidirectional feedback is that peer feedback, but also making sure that there's plenty of upward feedback. And so this is one of the things we're working on as a people team. We took a big first step, which is we've done a lot of trainings on giving feedback. Thanks to Shari Harley, who's done a fantastic job. The next set of training that we're rolling out is receiving feedback and getting more feedback. Like, how do we really unlock that in the organization to where we have a culture of feedback is truly a gift? And how do we help amplify um, the culture of feedback in our organization, which is something I'm personally very excited about. What challenges have you experienced as you're starting this process? Because I know a lot of different, I mean, we, we talk to clients all the time who are looking to develop a culture of feedback and they want to create the safe space for that communication delivery in both directions. Uh, you know, what challenges have you run, run into so far as you've started to expand this? Yeah. So, you know, one of the challenges I think we've seen kind of emerge out of the past five years is everyone talks about creating a safe space, right? One of the challenges is, when people keep talking about a safe space to give and receive feedback, what we've actually done in that is something we never intended to do, right? Which is like, we've heightened the anxiety around giving feedback. And so we've massively raised the barrier to give feedback because, and there's so many great frameworks that I love all of these frameworks, by the way. But every time you're introduced to one of these feedback, feedback frameworks, it's like, you know, check in on the person. Is the person in a good place to receive feedback? Be sure the person is ready to receive the feedback. And while all of these are good practices, like tough feedback is hard to give. 
it's it's hard to be in both scenes. And so one of the challenges with so much of this focus on creating safe space for feedback is we've heightened the anxiety around giving feedback. Someone is so afraid that they're going to like give the wrong feedback and hurt someone's feelings and someone's going to cry and someone's amount is going to be triggered and someone's going to have a fight or flight reaction in the middle of a feedback conversation. And it's especially sensitive right now because it's going to be a virtual feedback conversation, very, very likely. And so one thing that we've really been unpacking at Superhuman is um, how do we lower that barrier to giving feedback, right? And focus more on the quality of feedback, the actionality of the feedback, and make sure that we're giving feedback, you know, that's specific, actionable, and timely, and leaning a little bit more into the forgiveness. Like, there are going to be mistakes. This is a bumpy journey. We're all in it together. We all want more feedback, but we're all a little scared to give feedback. And I think it's important to like kind of reconcile with that. And so that's something uh, we recently did a leadership offsite on this. One thing we're really pushing for and that is, you know, one thing that makes like more than half of giving feedback hard go away is if you could just ask for feedback, right? We all want more feedback go ask for it. Um, so that's like been a big one is like, what does it look like to really take ownership of getting more feedback and lean into asking? Because one of the really nice things about asking is if you think of like checking in with the person and making sure the person's in a safe space and being super careful how you broach the conversation and carefully selecting every word, all of that is really putting the burden on the deliverer. But if the person that you have feedback for is just proactively asking hey, what's one thing I could be doing better to X? Half of that anxiety is just going to go away because you're not worried if the person's in a good space for feedback. They literally just ask you for feedback. And that door has been open. And so that's been a big one that we've been working on unlocking as a leadership team is really how do we just lower that barrier for one another, recognize everyone is so worried about a safe space and triggering that amount that, um, that it's actually leading to an unintended consequence which is people are getting less feedback. It's the snowball effect too, right? If, if I see you give a presentation and I have immediate thoughts on how we could make that better for next time, if I go home or back, you know, away from my virtual office and I start thinking about all the ways that I should tell you, it's like you could have just told me and, and we'd be on to the next thing. And so how, in terms of an asynchronous virtual first environment that you have, how are you per, uh, approaching kind of written feedback and, you know, being able to give that information if it's not the most critical, you know, sensitive feedback that might hurt somebody's feelings, are you upping the game on, on the delivery of written feedback as well? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. That's such a great question. So we lean really big into asking people how they prefer to receive feedback. Um, and we find it's varied from company to company that I worked at. Uh, one of the last companies that I worked at full time, it was very much a culture of written feedback. Um, like something like 70% of the employees preferred feedback and writing. Superhuman is a culture where more than 90% of the team prefers synchronous feedback. And, you know, kind of like the more synchronous, the better. So like, you know, preferred is in person. Second is video, cameras on. Third is video, one camera on. Fourth is phone, sort of like a trail to the point to where like, email and slack are like at the bottom like even below texting we didn't do a lot of written feedback the one thing i will say that we do do that's written is we'll do like document reviews we will do those in writing so more like collaborative document exactly. i guess the, it begs the question as to what's just uh, an opinion or perspective versus where does it cross into feedback do you see right like it so 
if we're working on a project together and it's just like kind of getting something done, it sounds like you're saying this would be in a collaborative document. We'd probably write it back and forth and refine it over time versus if I want to share my preferred way to work with you or to communicate with you, that would probably be done more live and hopefully. Exactly. Yeah. And really leaning into that more, I think is important. And um, one thing I will say, the document review is, I don't know if I call it, it's probably more of like suggestions. Whereas like, you know, we think of feedback as like sitting down and have feedback specifically for you. Yeah. And that is definitely synchronous. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation because we've also had quite a few, I mean, I've worked with a lot of different leaders who have hated the word feedback for that reason, because it feels so heavy. But I like that you're providing an opportunity for people to get comfortable with delivering it and figuring out the best way to work with their direct reports and their supervisors, their coworkers, to make sure that those conversations are happening. Going back to asking for more feedback, studies have shown that one of the challenges of getting good feedback is in how we ask for it. We're not specific enough. We're not, you know, can I do better? It's just difficult for the deliverer as well. What tips have you provided other people throughout the organization in terms of getting better feedback, more useful feedback? Yeah, that's a good question. So the first one is I really lean into the what's one thing, right? And it's very different to ask a question that is not a yes or no question. So like, do you have any feedback for me? Like, what a scary question to ask someone. It's just so broad, right? And like the stakes still so high. So I really like leaning into the, you know, what is, what's one thing? What are the top two to three things I could be doing? And I think that that makes a big difference because one, it's not a yes or no question, right? But two, it just feels a lot less scary. And in particular, it's also a little bit easy as you're working with someone at getting better, giving you feedback, you can break that down to like the smallest, the opening of that presentation. Like you can really break that down for someone to really like, lean someone up to being comfortable giving you feedback, which I think is especially important when you're in a position of power. And then I think the second thing is, so that's sort of like, how can you tighten your ask, right? And then the second thing that I think is really important is checking back in on it. Hey, you gave me some feedback that X, Y, Z. It's been two weeks. How do you think I'm doing? Right. And that's nice because it does two things. One, it lets the person know that you heard the feedback. Two, it lets the person know that you care. Three, like you're not likely to get feedback in the future because you're having that ask be reciprocated, which I think is hugely important. Hugely important. Love that. Our listeners are talent development leaders in companies across a large range of industries. And I'd love to just get a high level of how you think about employee engagement and employee experience um, and how this has evolved like over time. So you talked a little bit at the beginning around hiring and firing. How has like beyond feedback in particular, how are you approaching, you know, succession planning and thinking about developing your employees for the future? Yeah, that's such a great question. So there's a couple of things that I think are really important. So the first one that's worth noting is we have like a universally shared career path. We have a non-technical one and a technical one in our career path. We do have career paths for people to become increasingly senior individual contributors. And then we do also have career paths for people to move over to manager, which I think is really important. And that's true both on our business side and then also on um, engineering product and design career pathing. So that's sort of the first thing to do. The second thing that I think is really important is um, we have to make growth really actionable. And so one thing we do that's really important is um, every six months you sit down with your manager and with the career grid out, you have here's kind of where you are today. Um, and here's, you know, what it would look like for you to get to the next step. 
one of the nice things about the career grid is it's not just limited to the role that you're in today. It can also be in other roles in the company that you might be interested in. And we help you tailor that uh, to a specific set of actions that you'll do. And the actions usually break down on a quarterly basis. And the goal with that is like, we're always focused on how we help you develop your skills. And then a really important part of that is as part of that skill development, we also give a $3,000 annual learning and development budget where we actively help you use that budget, which I think is super important is making sure that it's a budget that you actually have the opportunity to use. It's huge. And it's one of the key things we measure managers on is that their team is on growth plans and that, you know, the growth plans are being created. You know, one of our core jobs as managers is to help create an environment where people can do their absolute very best. And having a path for each person to grow is definitely something that's really important to help people do so. And the other thing that I think that we've done that's been really, really helpful is for roles that don't always have a clear career path. So, you know, for instance, an engineer is a perfect example of like, there's always an opportunity to become an increasingly senior engineer for context. We have engineering roles that ladder up to the VP level. So you kind of get a sense of like, you know, engineering roles can become quite senior. Sometimes that career path can be a little bit less clear in customer facing roles. And so, you know, one of the things we really encourage in our customer facing roles is to allow people to move across customer facing teams and we do some rotations. So for instance, right now, people in our customer onboarding specialist role are having the opportunity to rotate um, into customer delight team. We've been able to turn customer onboarding roles into, um, you know, customer success and account management roles where there's two different types of customer facing career paths, which has been really, really key. And so, you know, if you wanted to stay on the IC career path, you can more strategically manage customer relationships over time by becoming an account manager or customer success manager, or if you wanted to stay in the customer onboarding customer delight team, there's also a path to management, which is key. Sounds like everybody has room to grow upward laterally. They can just refine their skills over time. And you've made that customizable for them. That's for all of our listeners who are thinking of, you know, that HRBP role that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> Great, Kristen, we're about out of time, but my, my final question is always, what resources are you leaning on to refine your own skills? Yeah, that's such a good question. So a couple of things have really stood out to me. The first one that's worth noting is I'm part of uh, People Tech Partners, which is an organization of about 200 VP of people and two people officers in the Bay Area. That in particular has been really great. It's been hugely useful. The other thing that's been a game changer is I work with an executive coach, Lindsay Niels, over at uh, Elevate Leadership, and she's just been incredible to work with. It's been really, really helpful for me. You know, one challenge that I think individuals can have in the uh, head of people type role is in the head of people type role, you're helping everyone around you grow, but there's not necessarily someone internally that's going to help you level up and grow. And so that in particular has been really huge for me. Yeah. Having that partner is, is always so core. And of course, we believe strongly in coaching. So that's great yeah. to hear that you have a great coach. Well, we are all out of time. I really appreciate your transparency and candidness around what you're working on at Superhuman. And I know our listeners will as well. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to add before we wrap up here? I just wanted to say thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes. 